my God. I opened the screen before the guys on the stage were ready. So you know what? We decided we decided to not use the stage. So there's no stage today. This is the real thing. No no acting going on at all. All questions are allowed. And we're even gonna try to read from the book somehow. <laughs> I find what page we're on. Like two two hundred sixteen or something along two sixteen something like that. That would be good. Still groping around. Twenty. Somebody else should be speaking. There's no, you know, this might be. There's no stage, but it is. It is like radio. See, in the radio, there's no dead time. You do not get to have dead time. So somebody needs to be talking. It's page 211 on the original edition of Reading Draw Brilliant Love. And I have no idea for people who are reading from a new book. I think we're going to assume it's the same. We are Although in the never midst of 27 experiments it. for creating extraordinary relating. Yeah, and we're at experiment number 11. No. 10. 10. And yes. I, I want to make a short announcement. We are days away from no reason, the next book from Clinton Callahan to come out. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit yes. more formatting. Yes. <laughs> and then Amazon will do its work. Oh. Wow. Wow. Uh, still, nonetheless, in, in any case, please let uh, somebody say something if they need to say something. Some of you, a couple of you have been cooking up some things to say. And so please, now would be a time to volunteer that. We are listening. We are together here to listen. I want to share an amazing experience I'm still in the coaching bridge house in Czechia. And this week I had two encounters with the people living here. And it, it gives me a new reference point about relating. And it was, we, we were sitting in front of each other or also in the group and I had the sensation of a tingling, not only in the body, but also in, in my energetic field. And I felt the connection on this energetic level and nothing has to be said, actually, just enjoying this connection. And yeah, I learned a lot <laughs> these days and it touched me that it is possible to get in contact with people on this level. And I don't understand it. And at the moment, I also don't try to understand. It's just I want to share. It is something very, very beautiful. And it, it makes like an imprint in my system. Because I was... I have the assumption that I grew up with with not so much relation and I don't know how to relate. And I 
I need so much reassurance that people around me are with me. And there have been also moments where, we, yeah, it was literally after the morning, uh, after the breakfast, we were sitting there, I was crying and the other told me they felt related to me and I was just, I'm, I, I don't feel anything. And then slowly, slowly, I, I had the urge that someone will save me and come to me and hug me and not stood up there sitting and watching me and on one side it was so horrible for me to stand that and the other side it was just okay adapting and let let something happen and and then there was also a moment of, of connection I, my my face was like I, I can't, it is difficult to describe. I just felt somehow that my system isn't ready to get so much energy or love. And, and just to stand there and to, yeah, try to, try to make it land and get it and, and, and just feel the connection and, and take it as a reality. It is real. I sense it in my in my energetic body, and and that that is a big gold out of this week for me. Thank you. Thank you, Jasmine. I'd just like to offer that this is that would be the beginning of something. It is not the culmination of something. It is the beginning of something. <clears throat> and these spaces or this connection is not a consumer space. So it's not about can you get it? Can you hold it? Can you receive it? Of course, at the beginning, it feels that way. It's really intense. And the, the practice is learn to let something speak. Let something speak in that space so that you're it is not a silent space, and it's, it is a collaborative, co-creative, alive space that includes speaking, but obviously the speaking does not come from your mind. So you, it doesn't help to speak from what you know. It doesn't help to speak from your child-contaminated adult ego state. It doesn't, all these, those are ways it does not work. But the way that it does work is to stay in that connected, that connection and let and and speak <clears throat> learn to speak in those spaces so that <clears throat> so that the the creation force so you can so you can participate so you're not just you know waiting trying to hold on to something that's precious you know and then it goes away and then you oh my god it went away no it's created ongoing it's created ongoingly so that you're not a victim when you think that's not happening you can you can cause that to occur, or at least you can open that door, or you can make that offer wherever you are, ongoingly. And, that's, and that opens up this whole other domain. It's the free and natural adult ego state. You know, that's where this begins. That's where this is going. So I'm really happy to hear your story. Thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah, and thank you for this addition, because I... 
feel or I, I recognize myself on the edge of, yes, I, I realized I'm still in the getting position and, and the waiting position that other people are coming towards me. And my, my system is also still, when, when something happens, I take it as my fault. And I, I was so happy that I listened to the star about being wrong or right. Mm -hmm. And that gave me the opportunity to sense in the moment, ah, okay, now I'm in this story and what I'm doing now. So it's really an amazing work. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Somebody else? I'm feeling really glad right, right now because uh, I I sort of went through this cycle this week where some emotions came up. I was like struggling in making money or realizing I need to find a way to make money to pay for stuff. Um, and a lot of emotions came up about that. And I felt like a lot of fear I was going to die and not survive or not manage to make it. And I feel glad because just this morning, well, I had some processes in the week, but this morning I feel like I've managed to get to the other side and be in a place where I'm like sending messages to people trying to arrange stuff and make stuff happen. Um, and I haven't been through a cycle quite like that so clearly where I've sort of managed to get to the other side and feel like I am on the other side somehow. Um, and I've been learning so much about how to go to the other side of my wall of fear and like noticing these things about, oh, when am I pushing myself through, forcing myself to get to the other side? And when am I try just trying to like, when can I actually see in myself? I actually want this thing right now because it's so easy to get confused into the state of being like, I'm thinking, do I actually want this? And almost convincing myself that I don't even want the thing that originally I had such aliveness for. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I, I just wanted to say with that, Julian, that there's this tendency, in myself anyway, I have had this tendency to want to get through to the other side or go to the opposite, you know, go to the other side as if that was accomplishing something or if that was what was I'm supposed to do. And it's, I've been just working with it. And, and like this morning, uh, I was, I was faced with so many things in this culture in Vietnam that I did not understand. I just don't understand. I don't get it. I mean, these fishermen were trying to steal catching fish off the, or shrimp off of this beach and the guy blows his whistle and they don't go away and and are they supposed to or not supposed to and and why are they killing animals for money because they're probably not going to eat these you know they're in such a desperate and then I don't know there was, there was a thing after thing after thing and, and then she looks at me and goes 
just stop thinking. And so then, then I was, then that was an interesting experiment because after a while she's going, no, no, no. I, I, it's the worst thing I ever told you to do is stop thinking because <laughs> I stopped noticing things or saying things I was noticing or whatever. But it was, it was like part of this thinking thing is thinking that I'm supposed to go to the, get to the other side of it. When in fact, I'm, it's, there's this movie called Skip or Jump or Click. It's called Click. And it's uh, Adam Weisler. What's his name? Sandler. Huh? Adam Sam, Sandler. Adam Sandler. And he discovers this, like a TV thing, and it lets him jump over the parts of his life that are boring or painful or troublesome. And he just clicks. He starts clicking this thing. But the problem is, well, I shouldn't tell you anyway. It, the thing starts <laughs> understanding what he, he it thinks he wants to skip over and just starts skipping over things automatically. I mean, and then what happens? Then you're laying on your deathbed, having skipped over, you know, I finally made it to the other side of this. And this was all painful and hard and difficult. And I didn't understand. So I want to skip over and get over here. But in fact, the juicy stuff is, is in, it's in the middle. The juicy stuff is what you're trying to skip over. And you go, God, well, how can that be juicy? Because it's painful and I don't understand. It's confusing and I'm not powerful and I'm not clear. And I'm, I'm feeling like a victim and like all of those, those places in between have so much value. And so it's, it's just a thing to work with in terms of trying to get to some place, you know, and, and then hold on to that place, you know, as if it has more importance or more reality than all the other seconds that ticked by in the in between times. And so I really encourage us to stay in, in this, really minuscule moment of what's the phrase it's all we get you know what i get is this being here now and this thing this this moment of presence that's what i get that's all you get this moment of presence that's it it will only ever be that and the rest is imagination either about the past or the future and we we so hypnotized or we're so easily convinced that our imagination about the past is real, all these stories, blah, 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 this happened, this didn't happen, or this is going to happen, or I have to be like this, or whatever, all these stories about the future. And we're convinced that those things have power or something, when in fact, the place, you know, our place of where we're present, that's, that's really it. And it's, I don't know, it's easy to judge that and criticize that and make <clears throat> stories about it. And so that's where relating happens also. Relating only happens in this little moment of presence. Go ahead and Chloe. It's something, it's about something else that but Julian said, but. Oh. Okay. It, it's about what you, you just said, Julian, that I've, I've barely started to research it, but I think it's worth exploring of this wish of doing something and then the, I, I get closer to the thing and then this, my, my fear often of holding space emerges in all these stories of, I don't really want to do this. Like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I committed to this? What, who are these people? These people don't even care about me. They don't, you know, and all this story world emerge out of mm. fear of, and, and I, I have noticed that enough in myself that I'm like, okay, this is just, this is my fear. And, I, you know, 
that's all there is. But this, what I think the thing that's maybe worth researching is this, um, when you, you don't yet have this clarity about what do I want? You know, that's what you were sort of saying, Julian, about, is it really what I want? Or am I manipulating myself to want this? Or am I manipulating myself to not want this? And this is complete mind craziness over trying to figure it out. And, and so I, it was just sort of an invitation. If you could, if you're working on that to research that of how do you get, how do you get to the thing that you want? And even with the fear or your gremlin or your child ego state, try to come in and convince you that it's not what you want. How do you stay? No, you know, how do you stay, have integrity with, no, this is, this is what I want in the face of all these other forces, you know, and they can be internal forces. Like I said, the fear and the gremlin and the child or your parents ego state, but it can also be external forces telling you that's not really what you want. You know, the advertisement telling you that's not really what you want or, you know, the whatever. And to, uh, how do you distinguish, you know, how do you distinguish between, okay, this is what I want. Okay. This is, I'm changing my mind. This is a true change of mind and it's not manipulated by unconscious forces. And how do I sense? Yeah. The, the the forces that work that make that possibly make can make me change my mind. So if you find anything about that, would you share it in an article, for example? Because I saw that you're offering article <laughs> support, and I'm so glad about that. <laughs> Something I've really learned is how the parent ego state comes in. So I, I start with wanting something. And then very quickly, it becomes like, I have to do this thing. There's no option other to do this thing. And then it doesn't end up happening because it's coming from this place of like forcing or almost the parent ego state, like stopped it happening. It's wanting it to happen, but it's also stopping it happening. Thank you. Thank you. And I just wanted to repeat that this split second of being there is a key element of relating because it's so often the case that we would have, I might have a story in my head, or you might have a story in your head about somebody else. It's about somebody you're trying to relate with. They didn't hear me. They're not listening. They're always talking. They have to have it their way. They're, they're giving their center away. They're being like overly nice and it's fake. Whatever the whatever the story is that you've made up about how it's going and you're relating, if that story lasts longer than three minutes, it's an emotion. You know, and there are there are emotions tied up in there. So, you know, we we've said before that if your emotion is lasting longer than three minutes, it's it's a time for an emotional healing process. Well, it turns out that our stories are powered by these emotions. And, and if our story lasts longer than three minutes, and here's the kicker, you know, even if your story is what a wonderful person they are, or what a wonderful relationship we have, if that story lasts longer than three minutes, it's also emotional. And even an emotional joy is is just as fake, just as 
uh, distracting or just, just as much an illusion as emotional anger or emotional fear or emotional sadness. It's just as emotional. Because it, and it just as disruptive of really radical relating because it does not come out of the present. It doesn't come out of this split second, this split moment of, of, of presence, of being there. Split second of being there. That's all it, it does not come out of there because it's longer than three minutes. So it's a, it's a fantasy world that is, total, is really disruptive of your ability to negotiate to ongoingly negotiate, you know, navigate your inner navigating and in your relating, your radical relating. And so catch yourself. If you've got if you've got a story going on, even a really good story, positive story that goes on longer than three minutes, sign up for an emotional healing process. So does anybody want to ask for an emotional healing process right now with this team? I do. I want to ask for emotional healing. <clears throat> I feel anger because it feels, it sounds so easy and nice and beautiful what you are saying. But in reality, like it stay present with a lot of things uh, happening. It's not something that I am know how to handle. And I need an emotional healing for that. So then you, you would need to say, it, you know, who would... Who will hold who will hold space for me in emotional healing process? Who will who will hold a space for me for emotional healing process? I see Anna Maria. I see Catherine. It's a great team. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? You know, this is part of this space is is an open free space at any time for any of us to ask for emotional healing process from this team. And if there's nobody available on this team to jump to the emotional healing process collaboration team on Telegram. And it's also, I don't know, 400 people in there ready and waiting to collaborate with the emotional healing process. It's fantastic. So we're part of that. So anybody else right now here? Yeah. Go ahead, Anna. Yeah, I'm. I I think I've put myself into a position where I have almost no possibilities. So I definitely want to skip a lot of parts. Actually, also in the past and the back, because then life would be better. And yeah, I'd like. I'm asking if someone could hold space for me to find possibilities. <clears throat> I see Julian and Dor. Great. You. Fantastic team. Thank you. And Eva also. Eva also. And yeah, Eva me too, but after the 5th of December. Okay. Thank you. Great. Just, I want to remind people that you guys are, you have worked a lot already on yourself. So things that are coming up now are not superficial, most of them. They're, and Arena, I'd like you to make sure you're really listening to this. It's not a superficial thing that you brought up. It's a significant thing. Okay. And so some of those significant things have layers. So don't just think that one, you know, 45 minute emotional healing process is going to handle 
the thing, there's, there may be, that may be the first layer. And you dig that off, and then there's another layer. You dig that off, and there's another layer. And don't hesitate to go layer after layer. I, I tell, I've told it before. I've, I've been in seven layers down in a process over a couple of years. And it was each layer was valuable. And I couldn't believe it, that I thought that was the end. I thought it was over. I thought we, we got to the core message or the core, and then another, another layer happened. So don't hesitate to ask, you know, go into that same condition at another time and go to the next layer of it. It's really useful. Great. So, so what I, the reason I said that is because Anna, so these two guys can take you through the first layer and then get with Ava and go to the next layer, see where it goes like that. I want to ask for an emotional healing process. Go ahead, Dor. Can anyone can anyone hold and navigate space for an emotional healing process for me? Can you say a few words about? <clears throat> yeah, he has I... to market it. He has to you have to sell people on his emotional. <laughs> this is Dor. I... You know, the store is going to be exciting, heavy duty, wild. It's going to be off the charts. This is door. He doesn't. He doesn't have to market it. Come on. <laughs> wait, wait, so, so who? Any? Did anybody put their hand up? I want to hold space for it. Anna, one more person would be great. Somebody with a really powerful bullshit detector to back up Anna's bullshit detector. Skype. Excellent choice. <laughs> I was going to mention your name, but you just read my mind. So. <laughs> good, good move. Thank you. Great team. I, yeah. I also want to share something. I I don't know how to share what's what's going on with me. Everybody was cooking, like you said, and I think it's about this this whole juice that I'm that I'm trying to skip in in the experiment of relating that I have now in my in with the with the woman that I'm relating with. And it's it's like we've been through all this first part of the book and and like all these things come up and I feel it's so hard to navigate them, navigate low drama, navigate gremlins and it it's like it's your gremlin or it's my gremlin and, and all of that stuff comes up and and well, it's I'm scared. I'm I don't know if to sometimes if it's a it's if we have mixed context. If I need if you just mix context and I need to leave or, or or am I leaving? Like I want to leave because it's because I'm afraid and and that's an emotional healing process and like there's so much going on and that that's. I don't know. Maybe it's almost like I want to skip that part, but it's, yeah. I don't know really what I'm saying, but that's that's my sharing. Uh, probably almost everybody could say something about that right now. I and I I would just like to start by suggesting that it's a, a very valuable circumstance that you're in, where you're with somebody who's willing to engage at that level and the most valuable thing that i would suggest you know because because otherwise you're alone out there it's just 
you don't get the mirroring, you don't get the reflection. So it's a very, very precious and important time when somebody's willing to engage you with that. And I, I would encourage you to adopt this strategy, which is, which is to be wrong. Because what I heard you say is that it comes out of you, oh, that was your gremlin, or oh no, it's your gremlin, you said that. And that means you have two people trying to be right. And that means you've got two gremlins talking to each other. Because trying to be right is kind of the alternative to relating. You can either be right or be relating. That's your choice. And so as a practice, it's so valuable <clears throat> that when, when something comes up, that you go, just tell me more about that. So you need to memorize that little sentence. Please tell me more about that. And get your beat book out like you're doing right now and write down what they say. And even if they're screaming inside of you, it's not what I said. This is not what I meant. You know, I, it's not. And you just don't say any of that. Or you can write it down on the paper, but you don't say it. All you say is, thank you. Could you tell me more about that? Or, or tell me more about that thing? God, can you, do you know why I would do that? Like, what, how could I, why would I sacrifice presence or in, why would I engage a story rather than immediate the split second of being there why would i sacrifice being in a okay what's and just write it down and just say thank you very much and then say look i i need to uh integrate this i'm just going to walk around for 15 or 20 minutes and then i'll be back i will be back it's very important for a man if you walk out of a room to say i will be back and then you come back mm -hmm. in the time in the time period you say so if you need 15 minutes or a half hour or two hours, you shouldn't be, take two hours. It does not take two hours. The longest time it takes about 45 minutes. So you say, I'll be, and then I'll be back. And then you go, you know, just, just walk. That's all you need to do. You don't have to think or figure anything out. And then uh, come back. And you'll, Whatever space changes over time, especially when consciousness is applied. So what you're trying to do is apply consciousness to space, and that will that will metabolize space. Consciousness is fed on space, and so when you when you don't try to figure it out or get it right or be right, when you don't try to do all those things, when you can stay with the space. Consciousness will metabolize the space. It will digest it. It will, con it will consume it. And it will, that thing will, will subsume this, whatever space it is. And you'll go to the next space. And this is, this is horrible. It is the best news and the worst news. Because no matter how wonderful your space is, it's going to disappear. It will be metabolized. And then no that's why it's bad news. But it's good news because no matter how horrible the space you're in, it will be metabolized if you can do that, and it will disappear. And so, and so, there was a spiritual teacher, Chogyam Trungpa, in a question and answer period, and some students said, "What do you do when you are in a hell world? It just feels like a hell world. What what do you do?" And Chogyam Trungpa said. I try to stay there. 
instead of trying to make it go away or try to fight it or go against it, try to stay there. And the trying to stay there, you have to try this yourself. It metabolizes, it's the most effective way to metabolize a hell world is to try to stay there. It's, and I can only offer that as a, as a, a suggestion for an experiment for you to try. In the new book, In New Reason, there's a, a story I wrote about a time that happened for me. It's just, you can feel, you can feel the whole thing. And then I get to this place trying to stay there. I cannot anymore. It's gone. The hell world has been metabolized. And no matter what I do, I can't get it anymore. And maybe you've had that experience yourself. But it's a fantastic way to work with the fickleness of human nature. You know, we are so fickle. You know, we have this fickle means so so uncommitted in a way. Like it's impossible for us to really commit. Fickle means we keep changing our mind. We keep changing our, our personality. We keep changing what we want. We keep changing who we are. That's what fickle means. And so it's a fabulous way to, to have put a keel, like a boat has a keel, a boat, like a boat has, this is the bottom of the boat and this thing on the bottom is, is a keel and the boat's sailing, a sailboat, it's, that's the thing that keeps it on track, keeps it straight. That's what the keel does. And so if you just, if you, if you stay with, Thus, you know, see, if you put your consciousness on the space that you're in, it will it will automatically do its work to to keep you on the path of evolution. And it might feel like shit. It might feel really bad, and you just keep breathing and you try to stay there. And then, it, but it will keep you on track. The keel will do that. So it's useful to have that as a as a guide experiential guide rather than having some vision up in your mind or oh, I'm supposed to be like that. It should not be like this. You know, it has to be like that. It cannot be like this. This is a fantasy world thing. It's way up here. It is not a keel. And so the keel is what is, what is, and you can't stay with what is when you have a story about what is, then you're in the story world. The stories exist in time. What is in what is, there is no time because in what is there's too small for time. It's too small for stories. That's what is. So it's really valuable to have those that as a, a working kind of a working way. And it's so wonderful to experiment in that split second of being there because then you can notice the, the effect of your actions or inactions they actually have an effect. But if you're in a story world, like they never, or I need, why don't they see this? Like this story world, if, then you don't get to see how your actions have an effect because you're up in this world. Does anybody have anything about any of that? Thank you, Clinton. It's very Thank helpful. You, Thank you. Okay. Yeah, can you say more about the difference between the keel and the fantasies? Like, I'm 
I'm very addicted to having fantasies how life should be and then breaking them down and being where I am and then still having the sadness of but, but this is this is not what I want like yeah where so am Anna, I Anna, 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 so you're a single mom with a kid right yeah at war with the dad right yeah. why are you biting your lips because it's embarrassing that's exactly like i don't want to have that i don't want to be that person okay okay well look what you want is what you have this is how powerful you are what you have is what you want and so you're pretending like you don't want this. I've had a conversation with you before about this. I've opened a couple of doors for you. You did not go through them. And so I'm okay with that. It's not my problem. But for you to think that you don't want what you have, you're, you're just, just you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're, you're tying your, you're putting yourself in a straitjacket and pretending like you're flying. It's really a, it, it, it's really a, a you say it's a crazy making place to start. You can years can go by, Anna Harrison. Years can go by being in that straitjacket of thinking that you want something other than what you have. And it might be really useful to sit down with somebody, somebody here, or a couple people, and go, "Here's what I have, and I think I don't want this." And then find the place in you. See this smile that comes on your face. Okay, who's smiling really? Which part is smiling really? I think it's my child going like, okay, I'm here and then I can open the world where I want to go. <clears throat> you know, but I was saying something different from that. I was saying that what you have is a fantastic feasting ground for a particular part of yourself. Well, my gremlin. And that's the, that was your gremlin smile that you've already had three times while we're having this short little conversation. Your gremlin smile takes over and you bite your lips to pretend like gremlin's not smiling. You know, <clears throat> you know and you're, it's on film. Like, watch this thing. Watch yourself. And then you go, oh, my God. All right. Maybe I would want to decontaminate my adult ego state from my gremlin ego state because my gremlin ego state is eating my life. My, my gremlin ego state wants to keep this thing going on rather than exit it. And so, you know, this is hard stuff. This is, uh, this is reality talking. You know, this, isn't, this is reality knocking on the door. It's like, you are genius. I, I know you. I know what kind of genius you are. I've been around you. You know, the time in New Zealand we had stuff. I, what are you smiling about? I mean, it was a good time. I really enjoyed having those memories. Oh, okay. Well, so, so you're creating memories right now that are not fun to remember. Do you get what I'm saying? So there's a part of you that wants to have the kind of memories that you're generating for yourself now. There's a part of you wants to have those spiteful, small-minded, victim-y memories. 
And God, time's going by. Why are you smiling? Why are you biting your lips? Just answer. Why were you smiling just then? I said time's going by and you started to smile. What was that? Yeah, it's it I I just can see how I'm 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 going like, yeah, it's kind of juicy being in this revengeful low drama. You there's this part of you is loving the hell out of it. You're plotting it in your mind. You wake up in the middle of the night and go, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> you know, and then you go back to sleep again. And see so you're smiling. Yeah. So okay, you know, there's nothing bad or wrong about that. It's your life. What you don't get to do is complain about it because you're creating it that way. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you spoke about it, I was not going to bite your hook of, oh gosh, she's a poor victim. Oh my God, he's doing that to her. He's using the system to do that to her. Oh my God, he's got a lawyer. Oh no. Oh, this is so bad. You know, I'm not going on your hook. You know, it's just, uh, and you're loving it. You're loving it. So that's what you're creating. Mm-hmm. You know, so you could go anywhere in the world, create a, a circus school, you know, open this up for so many other children and single moms anywhere in the world and be completely free of the insane legal system that you pretend to be a victim of. I mean, it would be over next week. Why are you smiling? It would be over next week. It's like, okay, this is for me a fantasy, but it's like, okay, maybe that's possible. I mean, kids, you know, kids are not over. Like I was with a guy today, one of the trainers, we were having a trainer call just before this one, and he held up to the screen his father graduation certificate. He got to celebrate completing his job as a father because his son is 18 years old. He's actually older. And he finally got it together to bring some people together, other parents, and say, that was it. I have completed my job as a so it's 18. So you got an 18-year commitment on your hands until you can have a child graduation, a mother graduation ritual, you know, where you actually give back the name mother and take back the name on a Harris, you know, and what you are in the world as some kind of creatrix, you know, you're some kind of a force of nature at work serving the world. You take back that title rather in addition, you know, rather than being mom. And so you have a ways to go before your daughter's that old. Okay, it's playtime. You know, this is playtime. And there's so many places in the world, and you're so skilled in the kinds of things that would be are valuable for kids to learn in terms of technopreneuria, phobia, healing. You know, instead of like getting their feet on the ground on planet Earth, rather than you know, looking at the little TV screens and Chloe and I were at a breakfast in a hotel this morning and, and these moms have their kids who are two years old or three years old are addicted to this story world on the screen so they don't have to interact with them as human beings. And then they can, so they, they put food in the kid's mouth while the kid is watching the screen. And this is so 
whatever, modern culture. Welcome to modern culture. And so you have these talents to open up all these spaces for somebody else. And instead, you know, you're pretending to be a victim of some legal system and letting your gremlin feed on your life and thinking you get revenge on some asshole guy who just happens to be the dad. Well, go ahead. Okay. Really start putting stuff like that on the table in your processes and get real with it. Stop bullshitting yourself about what you're doing to yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's worth writing down. She says, thank you. She should say, fuck you. You know, fuck you. Go, ah, now we're getting somewhere. Good, she didn't smile. Uh, number 10. I was going to read from the book. And Chloe, do you have any doubts about me? Number 10. <laughs> Come on, you do have doubts about me, though. <laughs> yes. What? Tell me three. <clears throat> or doubts have fears. Okay. I'm afraid about you. I'm afraid you left the soursop too long in the fridge and it's going to like rot and we won't be able to eat it tomorrow. That's one. My, okay, second doubt is Uh, Okay, one of my fears is, will you really take me on an adventure trip to my son, the the ruins here near Hoyan? What what is the fear there? That I just will forget about it? Yeah, you'll forget about it. You won't organize it. You won't negotiate with me. And you will just, and then we'll leave and we'll never have seen it. Thank you. Wait, I have a third one. I just said thank you for the second one. Okay. And and the first one. Okay. And I don't really have a lot of fears. I don't know if it's really about you, but you're the space holder for a motorcycle is that it's broken and I'm afraid that you might not really be committed to fixing it. The part that if it gets broken again, you mean? No, that it's already the seat that I'm sitting on is not really. Ah, thank you for saying that. I will handle it within a week. Thank you. It'll be fixed. Thank you for telling me about. It's nice. I never asked. And Chloe, that question before, but you can bet your boots I'll be asking her again. So, thank you. Uh, you probably have doubts that I'll get through number 10. Probably has something to do with my own personal issues. Number 10, take care of your physical body. Your physical body is probably the only physical body that your partner gets to play with. Keep it clean. 
pretty, strong, and in tip-top shape for being played with rigorously. Keep your body in, sh in shape that it can be played with rigorously. This particularly does not mean a preoccupation with trying to make your body like the computer augmented magazine photographs. Your partner is not attracted to you because of your tan, your eye makeup, your perfect spotless skin, wrinkle-free, we might add, or the size of your penis or your breasts. This is not why they're attracted to you. Your partner, they are attracted to you because you enjoy being yourself exactly as you are. And, and, in, and I, I might add, and this does not mean that you love yourself. There's a concept that goes around that you need to love yourself before you can love somebody else. Did anybody ever hear this? Anybody ever heard of this concept? Yeah, you're supposed to love yourself before you can love somebody else. Okay, this is like saying you have to eat your grapefruit before you can have it. Can you eat your grapefruit before you have your grapefruit? No. Can you go through a door before you're at the door? No. Can you eat the menu at a restaurant and be satisfied with your lunch? And not unless you're a termite or something, you really like to eat paper or something like that. Because menus made out of paper, it might be colored paper with pictures, but it's paper, it's a menu, it is not the food. So this concept of the self is just like the menu. It's a picture of a thing. So you cannot smell it, you cannot taste it, it has no nutritional value. It's, it's marketed, you know, it's, they, they take a picture of the best one, the one that you would ever get, does not even match the picture on the menu. So it's just this fantasy world, this whole concept of this self that you're supposed to love is a fantasy world about what you are. It is not what you are. You cannot, there isn't a self thing there that you can actually love. Can I, if you make up stories about what? Go okay. ahead. No, go ahead. <clears throat> I was I was discovering or researching, exploring, thinking about this, I think there's something similar of self-acceptance, trying to accept oneself, which I think is very close to loving oneself. And what I realize is that for if, if somebody spends years trying to accept themselves, I think what really happens is actually walls being built around mm -hmm. this person so that n nothing that another being can say, so any feedback or any negotiation or any possibilities for behaving differently or any proposal can actually enter the being because I've accepted myself and I will, I will not, you know, change or in any way to be able to relate to you because I've spent all my time accepting myself. And, and so there's this really loneliness in this self-acceptance of, 
like the whole purpose is to keep keep the wall up so that there's no breakdown i mean in a way it's like completely avoiding any possibility of god what i've done this is what has the way i'm behaving this is the this is what is creating or this is the result of it or but and never nobody ever told me that but that's not possible with the self-acceptance because the way i'm behaving is the way i am and i and in a way it's like i'm not going to change i've accepted myself and i so therefore i have no need to change and and so i I was just, it's, which is very different from keeping your, keeping, you know, keeping my center. It's very different to accept myself than keeping my center or, or learning how to make boundaries or this is what I want. This is what I don't want. Or I, I'm, let me make a proposal. This is my, I, you know, I have an idea. I have a proposal. And what, and what do you say? You know, oh, you have a proposal, but I have a counter proposal your proposal or I completely decline this offer you know a gremlin offer I completely decline this but it's coming from a place of there's actually an ability to see somebody else for what they want what they are or and that that would touch me that can touch me that somebody else can actually reach me or touch me and and so I just I, can I, I give just, an example? Actually, say the next thing, and I want to give an example. Okay. No, and I, I, so I just it sort of put, put an alarm in me of these game worlds or context that will completely focus people or the the people the members of the game world on self acceptance. Well, that okay, that tells me there's almost no focus then on relating, on being with other people because it's all about me, you know, because I need to self. I need to be accept myself before I can be in the world. And so what usually happens is the part in us that complains the most could be the gremlin part or the parent part. And then what happens is if I accept quote unquote myself, and if I'm not distinguishing which part is speaking, then what we're crystallizing or putting the walls around, like Anne Chloe said, is what we're defending is the gremlin part of ourselves. So, you know, I I have to have the walls purple and I accept myself and fuck you if you don't like it and I'm going to make the walls purple. And and the, and then there's so, okay, who's talking? You know, is it the child part, the parent part, the gremlin part, and what are you defending, you know? And that's out of relationship, like Aunt Chloe said. And so I just wanted to give an example. It's like today... It was raining or on a motorcycle, a scooter, going down these roads. I'm, I was cold and wet and rainy and we, we whatever, we stopped. And then, then it was like, essentially, I was talking to my gremlin. And my gremlin wanted to try to find a piece of pecan, uh, pumpkin pie at this Australian bakery, which was having to go ba- back a little ways on the road. And so and Chloe just said, look. I'm tired, my butt's sore from being on the motorcycle. I'm ready to go home. Let's get this over with. And so I said, okay. And so what happened was, is we we skipped it. We skipped that plan. And then and then we, I guess we're at a stoplight or something. Anyway, I, I just, we just checked in again later on. 
So I wasn't in the story that that was her reality forever. And, and also Anne Chloe was not, you know, if she is accepting herself, then she's made her opinion known. She does not want to do this. And the conversation is over. And we are, we negotiated and it's over. And that would be, that would be this defended, uh, would be this walled off, I accept myself, I love myself, I said no, and it's over. And I respect my, and I made a no, I made a boundary like that. And so, but what happened instead was, we got close almost at the end of the trip where, we, where the decision was to be made, do we go back to this bakery for my gremlin? And I told her my gremlin would like to have a piece of this pumpkin pie because it was Thanksgiving and I didn't get a piece of pumpkin pie or he didn't. And so then she said, she said, you know, let's go there. And I said, I said, well, how can you say that? And I said, you know, I was saying, I just, we were in our neighborhood. That's what it was. It was like, it was so nice to come back into our little backwoods neighborhood instead of the big town of Danang. And we were in our little neighborhood and I go, it's just so nice to go around on the motorcycle with you. These all these people doing their lives and we get to see them. She goes, you know what? I found a new position for my butt on the seat. I moved this stuff around. Let's go to the bakery. And my gremlin, you know, is going, but you said no, you know, like that. And it, but it was like, it's accepting yourself does not mean these hard positions. It's, it's, it's about relating, respecting yourself and keeping your center and you can change your mind. And then we did, we drove over there and they did not have any pumpkin pie at the bakery. So it was all in vain, you know, in a way. But we just got to enjoy more of riding around on the motor scooter because Anne Cloyce was with herself enough to respect herself and change her mind. So that was just an example. This pause, ladies and gentlemen, was in case Anne Chloe wanted to change the story that I just told you because she might have a completely different version and she could have because there was this gap. It's really useful to leave these gaps so that I don't have to defend my story as being the one right story. So she didn't say anything. And we're still waiting. In addition, there was a great sunset. <laughs> we're driving. So. Thank you. Mm. I just want to read the last line of this number 10 this ex of, the, of the experiments to create extraordinary relating. So it just says, your, your partner, whoever you're with, you're relating, they're attracted to you because you enjoy being yourself exactly as you are. And it, I'm using this word yourself, but it does not mean the self that you I love myself, I respect myself, therefore I'm going to defend this self. It's not, it's not this kind of desperate thing about having a self that you like or love. or, or it's, it's about, it's really simple. It's, it's like you get this split second of being there and you're alive in that moment. You get to be alive in that moment. And that aliveness comes, and that's what they love about you. They love your aliveness in the moment in that moment, and then the next moment, and in this moment. 
your physical body has its own unique state of wellness and radiant health, which does not match any of the advertising. It does not match any of the health statistics, whatever. It's your own unique state of wellness and radiant health. Take care that you have that. And that's an experiment to do in your to, to access the extraordinary. Go ahead. I had this I found this great experiment that came from a book. I'm pretty sure it was a Rage for Revenge from David Gerald, which is the third uh, installation of the Couture uh, series. You can find David Gerald, a Rage for Revenge. And, and it's this experiment of when you, I mean, I guess it can, it can happen, but when you're about to whatever, play with your partner, which they would include the physical body, and you have any thoughts of, I'm ugly. I don't look good. I hate, I hate it. I hate my, whatever the thing is, whatever story world that you, the experiment that I've tried is, is there's this great person who wants to hang out with me. And so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live in the story world that I'm beautiful. Whatever. I have this great, radiant, healthy body so that that's what I can give to this person who wants to play with me. And I, and, and I, 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 I give this person my, my enjoyment. I guess it's, I mean, that's the experiment, but it's like my enjoyment is like, God, it's great. It's great to be me so that the other person can enjoy being with somebody who enjoy being themselves. So in in for me it has helped me because then it doesn't have to be about I'm great for me. Like it doesn't have to be all about my physical body is great for me or I look pretty or I look sexy or I look juicy or I look, and it's, what a what a gift to to give to somebody the gift of somebody who really enjoys himself. Which really upsets this game, if you have it, of uh, my life is more miserable than yours. My life is more difficult than yours. If you have this competition going on with your partner, like I have to, I have to do more work than you. You have more fun than I do. I have less fun than you do. If you're trying to win the who has the worst life game, it, it, it doesn't really help with that. It gets you because what a... Uh, a lose-lose game that is. It's really a lose-lose game. Trying to have the worst. I have more work to do than you do. I have more work to do that I don't like to do than you do. I have to work harder than you. Like all these burdens. I have more burdens than you do. I have a more wounded childhood than you do. Therefore, you have to love me or respect me or whatever you to pick up my messes i have a i have more wounds from my 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 dad loved me less than your dad loved you these are anybody know anybody who plays those kind of games you should tell them you should tell those people say look what's the point of that you know 
come on, you should tell those people, like, God, you should, what about trying this experiment of, of, I'm, I am so excited about being alive with, and, and I'm burden free and let's, uh, let's try this, let's try this, do this, you know, do this experiment, making proposals for life is so great that it's, we're going to have Christmas every day for the rest of our lives. Can you imagine that? A good Christmas every day for the rest of your lives. Instead of waiting around for one day a year and then discovering that it wasn't so great after all, because you have to be with your relatives. They don't understand what your life is about. So, so this is a challenge. This would be an experiment. Okay. For the re- making each day, like making yourself, you know, getting to be, like letting go of whatever it is that's keeping you from being as ecstatic as you would be on a perfect Christmas or holiday, like your holiday, your perfect holiday self, like getting, like actually just living that as your ordinary, as ordinarily extraordinary. Make, try, grant yourself permission to ordinarily be extraordinary and to have life be that way. And then you pick up a banana and peel it from the other end. Can you imagine that? You guys all peel the banana from the same end each time. Right? Right? You do that, don't you? Okay. Hey, dudes, boring. Come on, you guys. Okay. Peel it from the, some other end. Peel it from the middle. Peel it. Don't even peel it. There's this great <laughs> film called K-Pax. K-Pax. Your, how many people saw K-Pax? Not enough. Sky blue. Do you remember the scene with the banana? You do? Didn't that blow your mind? This guy comes to Earth and he inhabits his Earth body. And they say, why? Why are you here? And he picks up a banana. He says, because you have these. (laughs) And he he just bites the whole thing with the peel on it. And he just bites it and chews it up and swallows it. The actor actually does this. And it's like, why? You can't do that. Why? You can't do that. Well, this guy inhabited a human body on planet Earth just to be able to have that experience. So, so try it someday. Just grab the banana. Don't even peel it. Just bite it off, chew it, and eat it. And, and you know, keep, keep trying the new stuff. And then, like, all right, right. People think they know they understand you. You know, they, but you think you understand yourself. See, that's, the, that's the sad news in this whole story is that you think you know who you are, you know, and that you peel a banana this way, and this is how you brush your teeth, and this is, this is where, this is what kind of bread you like, you know, this is how you spread your butter on the bread, or like you think you know who you are and what your life is like along these lines. And in fact, the, the difference, in fact, you're not really granting yourself permission to be ecstatic about finding out what's really going on. Finding out what's really going on. You can be ecstatic about that because it's not the same. It isn't what you think. So I hope that was clear instructions for an experiment to try. Good luck.
Uh, is there anything about that or else I'm going to read number 11? Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is that I'm, I'm right now with my two boys, eight and 11, and they're so set in their ways, what they like and what they don't like. And I keep offering these experiments. Like I have this jar of herring and I'm like, okay, try, try some herring. One of them says yes and tries it. Like, I'm like, it's such a maddening experience to see them being so little and so already set in what their preferences are. And I'm like, okay, I'll just keep doing it. And at the same time, I, I sort of feel like it's never ending. It's like, there's no way for me to break. Well, maybe that's the problem, like to break through to like, okay, we'll try something and just be with, with how it is, as opposed to like constantly reacting, I like it or I don't like it. And, and I don't know, is there, are there any other possibilities that I'm not seeing here to be with that? Because it's just like instantly maddening for me. Like I'm like, Ugh. Okay, so do the emotional healing process about that. Okay. Will you do that? Yes. Go ahead, ask for it right now. Yes. Uh, will someone hold an emotional healing process for me about getting mad when my kids are so set in their preferences? Yes. I see Anna Harrison and Dora Sharabi. Great. Thank you. Great. So Sky Blue, here's the thing. Yeah. The kids won't do what you want or what you say. The kids will become who you are. So they're mirroring something in you right now that you don't want to see about yourself. So you're trying to get them to do something, whatever, but, but in fact, they're just mirroring a part of you that you already are like that. You're like that in some way. So, and so, I mean, when my daughters were eight and 11, that's when we moved from Arizona to France. I mean, and, and what happened was it, we pulled the, the rug out from underneath the identity that they were building in the, in the Arizona American world of being eight and 11 years old. They had built up their whole world and then we just moved to France. And it turned out to be such a liberating thing for them that they could have a whole new identity in that world. I mean, within weeks, they said, Dad, we're French. We're never going back to being American again. And they, they were speaking France, French in, in less than two weeks because they would listen to the radio underneath their, speak, their pillow at night. They just started speaking French. And then I could not understand what they were saying to each other right in front of me. They could talk to each other in secret language. And I had no idea. They had so much power in this new world and they, they could, they could they, you know, they started their, their whole lives and careers over, like they became what they are through that kind of, of uh, liberation. So what I'm saying is, is there's some ways probably that you're not enjoying the experiments that you want to try. <clears throat> so if you love herring, like, you know, if I, if I was, I would get this jar of herring and just like enjoy the just enjoy the hell out of it and not give them any <laughs> until they basically beg for it. And so those things that you're holding yourself back from, of just like this is what I love to do. I mean, this is this is my this is what 
It's, I remember one time I was a Boy Scout and my dad went on a camping trip with us as a Boy Scout and it was a survival camping trip. And so there was, we did not bring any food with us. And so um, it was a test, you know, you can go without eating for three days. It doesn't matter really. But my dad gets there and we, we went off trying to steal oranges from an orange field that we saw. We were going to, we thought it was so smart. And by the time we came back, my dad had already caught a fish out of the stream and was cooking it over a fire he started by rubbing two sticks together. Okay, how did he do that? I don't know. But he did not try to teach us. You get this? He did not try to say, here's how you do this. Here's how you have to do this. Try it. Here's how. Nada, 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 none of that. He just did it and was drawing the hell out of this whole amazing fish and right in front of us. He didn't offer us a bit until I said, Dad, I will trade you three oranges for one bite of your fish. And he goes, we have a deal. So like that's what I'm saying is go do the stuff that totally turns you on and do it and love it right in front of the kids. And then they'll become, they get to become somebody who loves weird stuff or loves what they love rather than fitting some pattern, you know, fitting like that, trying to protect some, I like this and I don't like that because their friends like it and don't like it. Whereas you, you are loving what you love and, and, and they get to exhibit, they get to experience that and go, wow, it's possible to do that. It is possible to do that. That would be another experiment to try. Thank you. Thank you. That lends deeply. And I can see how I was just kind of trying it I don't know, too hard in a way while pretending that I'm not to try and invite them into trying something different. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, but don't, don't enjoy it secretly, you know, enjoy the stuff that you enjoy, like let it drip down your face, you know, and rub it off and lick your arm and like really. That's some ideas. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really just for the hell, like let it be real though, not over-exaggerated, just let it be ecstatic. There's so much in life to be ecstatic about. And like Anne Chloe saying, if you're not ecstatically enjoying your life, how how somebody's supposed to love being with you? You know, then you then your life is a problem. It's like, why should somebody want to help you solve your problems as a way of relating? If you're such a sob story, you're gonna attract some rescuer who's just gonna abuse you. You know, so that's why it's so important to you know clean up this child ego state contamination of the adult ego state, clean it up. Or you're just going to get somebody who's going to essentially abuse you. If you're playing child, they're going to play abuser. It's just an automatic thing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? If you play child, all you get is rescue or abuser people. Yeah. Game is over. Just really get off of that one. And it takes work. It takes really work to decontaminate your child ego state out of your adult ego state. Go to the decontaminations website, really, and get in and do the work. Get in with a, you know, somebody to be your coach. Get somebody to be your coach and take you through the process. It takes a year or so. And by the end of the year, you're completely in a different world. And it's so fantastic. Really great. Oh, yeah. And doing the gremlin transformation, you need to do that first. Anya, go ahead. Yeah, I want to share a very, very tiny experiences I have during the last days and weeks. 
where I shift into this self-acceptance and I seem to cause uh, like two magnets getting away from each other with some people who just cannot stand that. They are afraid of that part inside of me. So while I listened to you, I came to understand that it's not always attracting people. It's doing the contrary to some, and that's just what it, what it's about. So it, that's, it seems like this is exactly what I need to go through to push people away who are not supporting this, this, this path any longer. Well, so what is that like for you then? If- um, it's a little scary and it is, it's also supporting it's it's blowing away my doubts. How is it blowing away your doubts? It's like uh, who shared that before? Like uh, there are some people who I was trying to to hold on because I thought I that's there there is something for me to learn. Um, so I'm going going to hold on, and it's like being a masochist. And I'm not a masochist. I don't want to be tortured, but I'm staying in, in this victim role. And I, I have this belief system that what what's there for me to learn out of for life out of this is to stay there and to thrive within this situation. And now during the last days, I come to understand, no, that's not it. Mm. It's like getting away or pushing them away or having them automatically pushed away because i'm becoming who i am i'm becoming this person who accept accepts the self as i understood you Hmm. part of the healing for that can be recognizing how long you were being adaptive or putting a mask on putting a show on and and that those are the people who came around were the ones who were somehow seduced or attracted by your mask and the artificiality of that, the untruthfulness of that. And like, God, I did it for so long. I played I, because I thought this was relating. It's what my parents did with the people in the magazines, the TV stars do this. You know, that's what I thought it was. And then go... And, and to grieve, actually, to grieve how much time has gone by in that strategy, in using the technology of putting the mask on. And, and that will be part of, of this. So, so it's important not just to notice the people who tend to fade away when you actually stop doing the show but also notice a part of yourself that's going away when you stop doing the show. Mm. You get the difference? Mm. So you, you need both. You need both of those things. Yes, thank you. Not just them, but also that part of yourself. I mean, there are people sometimes, even when, when it gets really clear that that has happened, they build a, a little gravestone have a little burial ceremony for this part of themselves that was the happy face or, you know, the the one who always had enough problems to keep the rescuers around. 
or whatever the whatever the game was. And then it's like, okay, the life of this one's over. And there's in a in Sufi traditions or other traditions, there's this idea of dying before you die. And you've probably heard of this, but it's this is in part what it means, I think, is when you when you acknowledge the passing or the the termination of this part of yourself that used to be in charge, used to be your 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 main card that you offered. Who am I? Hello, this is me. And you put on this fake thing. And and that thing, when that thing decomposes or it, it composts, you know, when that fit when it drifts away, it isn't a forceful thing. It's not like you're fighting, you know, to make it go away. It's like you become too aware of the of the cost of doing that anymore. I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm not, it's, why should I, I'm not willing to, to, to be fake anymore. And so, and when you recognize the cost of that and you let it drift away, that's the thing that you can acknowledge in the ritual of, of saying, okay, I played that card for 15 years. I played it for 25 years. I tried to force people to like a fake thing and I did that for this many years and that thing is has died and so you have a eulogy you have a, a requiem there's a great website called requiem you can bring your friends together and speak about it and just acknowledge gosh this is really it's over and and you can even stick a thing in the ground and have a little graveyard for these x parts and you might in in what we were just talking about with sky blue it's like if you're if you're doing that with parts of yourself, other people get permission to do that with parts of themselves, and so it's it's actually the community wakes up, the community becomes more aware and has more possibility by you going ahead and doing that first, which may at first be a ritual that is bizarre to most people or scares them or they don't understand, but in fact opens up new territory for the whole community to to adopt that as a as a stepping stone along the path somehow and be a, it's really a gift for other people can be so thank you for bringing that up anybody else with something right now go ahead i just wanted to go back to the experiment number 10 about take care of your physical body and then the last one of the last sentences your physical body has its own unique state of wellness and radiant health. And it's, I think we've talked about this before in the in the study group, but it's like this line. And it's never like this perfect line. But for example, for, I was, I was a swimmer since I was 11. So for more than 15 years of my life, I've waxed my hair, like everywhere on my body except my head. Uh, you know, every every two weeks, every ten days, or something like that, so that there, I would have no hair at all. I mean, just for yeah, if you said that to me a few years ago, I might I might not understand what you mean. So it means she put this kind of warm wax over her hair, waited till it cooled down and got hard enough to grab the hair, and then ripped it off so it pulled the hair out from her skin. That's called waxing the hair yeah, all the so way. I, to I did not. Yeah. To the bone, yeah, all the, way to, all the way to the the seed, like the root of the hair. It's like not sh not the shaving part. 
And and just when I started hanging out with Clinton, he was like, why are you doing this? And it just it started opening a door being like, okay, why am I doing this really? And and it took me years to change my self-image of being actually enjoying my hair. I have hair. You know, this is my body. It's, you know, what is this thing about pulling my hair out? And and now I'm starting a whole new phase of trying different haircuts on my my armpit and my, but what I'm saying is, I think there's many emotional healing process and it's not just, you know, just a held space, but also experiments about finding what is, what is this unique state of wellness and, 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 and radiant health that my physical body, what does it look like? And to, and to do experiment and to have these, I don't know, teams also about questioning how do we treat our body and where does that assumption about treating our body comes from? Like who told us how to treat our body this way? Like, like pulling out, I never really had that, but pulling out, you know, hairs from the eyebrows. I didn't do that, but I know women do that or, um, you know, nails and, 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 you know, how much fat is appropriate fat and, you know, and so anyway, all these, I know that there's a woman called, um, Beata Piscaldo in, in Poland. She's been doing a lot of research about, about being with her physical body and experimenting with finding this, this unique state of, of radiance and health. So, and, and then from the other side is also, I just read it recently and it's really something I've heard a lot is especially for example, of, um, people who've been, who've been sexually abused, a way to, defend themselves against more abuse is to be ugly like to be to be to be fat or wear you know black clothes or just uh, not take care of their physical body because if i am beautiful then it will happen to me again It, it will happen again somebody will find me attractive and i won't be able to protect myself and so there's this it's these extreme and it's like and and the line is really a whole it's a healing journey really and can you explain about the line in that case between yeah i mean sorry i mean the line is this is this what did you say it's this unique state of wellness and radiant health of our physical body and 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 of course it's like i don't think we get to live on the line like perfectly on the line where we perfectly have a radiant healthy and well body but we can but for example trying to making yourself ugly is being like in one extreme over the line it's like and and trying to completely fit the magazine the whatever beautiful magazine is being on another side of the extreme of the line and 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 it's to find this line often it's it's you need to go on the other side of the line, something like that. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how it would work for the physical body, but it's sort of to experiment in 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 experiment in in kind of opposite way or different ways than what whatever idea you've have of yourself or the self image. So that there's a point where you cross the line and being like, God, actually that 
that that feels radiant that that's radiant okay but now i went way over the line let me let me come back here okay that when i'm crossing the line again that that then i can relax then i'm like i'm i'm not in a cramp i'm not in a in a survival tightness story world uh judgment conclusion about myself or how other people are looking at me here i'm i'm relaxing and then i think we kind of move around this line of yes sometimes you stay late because you 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 want to keep working so you're going to be a, your physical body is going to be a little tired well it's going to be a little tired it, and not that doesn't need to make a big deal out of it i mean that's what i mean by never being perfectly at the line let me thank you yeah let me let me just read the next experiment it's short and it goes right along with understanding this line thing because it We've just been talking about the physical body of one of five bodies. And experiment number 11 is take care of your intellectual body by feeding it intellectual food, by studying, engaging in stimulating conversation, attending talks and workshops and seminars that feed your mind, that feed your intellectual body. So feed yourself a steady diet. So that doesn't mean perfect. But it means steady. It means your your intellectual body needs food. A steady diet of non-linear, high meme content intellectual foods. So high meme, the word meme, is the smallest component of the design of your worldview. It's the design of your intellectual, your, your, your box, essentially. And so, and so high meme content intellectual food means not just dribble it isn't it means not just uh um those graphic novels you know or facebook shit you know this is not this is not high meme contact intellectual food it's not what it is you know really it's books and really well-written articles and documentary films and so we've got a bunch of books and films online at the Possibility Books and Possibility Films websites. This it's taken you know 40 years to collect these particular books and films that provide the kind of food that we're talking about. And it, of course, if you watch a film, for example, it's not only intellectual food; it's also energetic food. It's also uh, Emotional food. So, but this experiment number 11 is put yourself on an intentionally feeding yourself, feeding your intellectual body. Do not depend only on your partner for your intellectual nourishment. So some people say, well, I'm talking to my partner. They give me good ideas, you know, and I get intellectual food. Anybody do that? Anybody sort of hesitated to watch books and films or whatever, especially reading books because, because you went to school and you hate to read. What did they teach you in school? To hate to read, to hate to write, you know, to hate to do math. You know, that's basically what a lot of us learned in school. Well, do the emotional healing process, you know, fucking destroy the teachers who, who, who taught you how to hate reading, for example, or hate writing or hate studying. Studying is this fantastic internal work of figuring shit out. What's really going on? How does it really work? Like 
just just today I was talking to an employee. I said, I went to school in America and they didn't tell me anything about these huge civilizations and all this stuff that was going on over here in Asia. Nothing. Zero. And it was all the great American dream. And I really, it was such a, a desert of education in that modern American education system. So there's whole worlds that we know nothing about and we won't learn about it because we learn to hate to study or we learn to memorize facts for the test and then forget. So it's not about ourselves. And this whole experiment 11 is make your, buff yourself out in the intellectual world, find out what, what delights your, you know, your intellectual world. Like what ecstasies can you have from the information world? And there's plenty, so much. So I just wanted to add that in, and Chloe, what you're saying, because that experiment number 12 is take care of the emotional body. So that's what this series of experiments are. Clinton, can I ask something? Yes. Is you, you shared before about some movies are kind of destructive or can can you share more about that? It's like I'm trying to get a distinction. What what movies are not working or destructive? Uh movies, which films to not watch? Films, yeah, like what, what in the film makes it like something that is I, I don't remember exactly how you shared about it, but Yes, it's really clear. It's also written on the, on the Possibility Films website. There's a list of films not to watch, and it says exactly why. It's because these films are designed to shock and leave a scar in your energetic body, in your being. Designed to leave a scars in, of horror, scars of horror and evil in, in your energy, so that you remember the movie. People say, you know, people are so dead these days that unless a movie leaves a scar, people, a lot of the zombie world does not even remember a movie unless it leaves this huge ripping scar in their being. And they go, oh, yeah, I saw that movie. Did you see the movie? Oh, yeah, wasn't that amazing? And this is the zombies talking about the scars that they got from the movies. And the zombies, you know, provide a lot of the funds From the movie theater where where the people who make the movies get enough money you know they invest a hundred million and make 400 million back so then they that's where that money comes from is they you need a big enough scar so you really need to watch out these days because cinematography is so vivid in its uh detail with all the computer graphic stuff that It can seriously a subtle little thing can leave such a huge scar in your body so there's real most movies modern movies should not you shouldn't watch them most of them leave these huge scars so if you if you if you find movies that you accidentally see or hear about that leave scars please just tell us and we'll add them to the list because there's a lot more than they're on the list that you should not see does that help door yes thank you I'm sure if I asked you you could tell me five movies you saw that left a scar. Can you just tell me one or two of those movies that left a scar? I, I wanted to ask you about this. There is this movie on the list that is uh, American Made with Tom Cruise. That yeah. He's kind of like driving a plane and, and 
I mean, I, I didn't really get, like, I, I felt that it was triggering for me. Like, there was part of me that woke up by seeing that, that I, I didn't know if that's, like, I don't know if he left a scar, but it was like, what am I getting from this? It's like, it, it kind of, I don't know, maybe triggered me or... So that's it, like that, that particular film is a major wake up film about what's really going on in the American government. And it's such a big okay. wake up call. It's such a big wake up call that it will it will feel like your world is being destroyed. There are no, it's really a documentary film. It's a, um, it's a dramatized documentary of a true story of really what's going on in this. A number of those documentary dramatized documentary films are on the list because we have been we believe the news or we believe the misrepresentation of the facts and so and 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 yet there's so much behind the scenes major gremlin activity that happens at the government level and the military level and the CIA level and all these economic levels that is it's a gremlin it's usually gremlin world out there because they're using hierarchies you know and gremlins climb up the hierarchy the best and so all of our hierarchies have these gremlins at the top and then they make decisions and call themselves the leaders I mean there's a great film called the day the earth stood still with Keanu Reeves in it and it's there's this part where the pre this woman who's playing the role playing the president of the United States, she wakes up and goes, these, these are not our leaders, said, said in the movie. And she goes, this is not our planet. This is not our planet. And another person says, these are not our leaders. You want to see our leaders? And she takes people to a Nobel Prize winner. This is the leader. So it's a completely, these are wake-up calls about uh, the misrepresentation of what's really going on. And so the shock is to enter reality. The shock is exiting the fantasy world and entering reality. I mean, there's another amazing website called What Now? What Now? And it's just kind of page after page of, hello, this is what's really going on right now. And it's not a conspiracy theory page or anything like that. It's just kind of information. Check this out, check this out, check this out. So it's not about conspiracy theories. It's about, oops, well, I didn't get that. So these are world shattering. So that's probably what you're describing, Doris, having your view of the world that you got from your parents or the newspaper or something like that from television. It's just questioned. Ah, okay. Who's responsible for the view I have of the world? I'm going to let the news be responsible. I'm going to let the president of the United States decide my view of the world, what's real. Huh. You know, this is really immature. It's really naive to let somebody like the president of Russia or the president of China or the president of whatever corporation or church, you know, decide for you what's real. Well, you can't, you cannot avoid that responsibility, not as a human being, as a zombie, of course, it's very straightforward to let somebody else decide what's real for you. And then you're in the zombie world. And, but that's not what, that's not the path of relating. It is not because you're not there enough because you did not take responsibility for the world, how the world looks to you. 
So when you start taking responsibility for that, then you ask other kinds of questions and you look to other sources for information. And that's up to you. So it is no right or wrong about that or good or bad about it. It's up to you as to like finding out what's really going on. You are responsible for the worldview that you have, for the for your perception of what of what's actually going on. It's your responsibility. So a lot of the books and the films and, and articles are about opening the doors for giving you a chance to check it out. I mean, one I saw not so long ago with Anne Chloe was Dark Dark Waters. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Dark Waters. Dark Water. Dark Waters. And it's this whole thing about Teflon. And I didn't know about Teflon really before because Teflon is so, it's like pervasive, it's everywhere. And this Teflon shit is toxic. It's this toxic plastic weird chemical shit that they put on aluminum pans, which are already toxic. And then we cook in them at high heat and the Teflon goes off in the food. You're scraping at it, you know, and you get these Teflon pans and Every Airbnb we go in has these Teflon pans where it's scraped off down to the aluminum. And so guess where it went? It went in the food that people are eating and that stuff is toxic. And, and so, well, how do you learn that? Well, it really helps to watch this simple film. It's an actual court case where this guy was brought in to look at the facts and he discovered, and there's all this, it's a, it's a dramatized documentary of the discovery of, of this Teflon manufacturing process and what it does with the spill off and the side, the toxic dumps and the, what, the, what the Teflon actually does. And you walk anywhere around the world right now, it, basically all you can buy is Teflon coated pants. It's basically all you can buy. And it's, it's suicide. It's a kind of human stupidity suicide. And so whenever we go, and Chloe and I go into an Airbnb, we just throw them all away. We go and we complain to the owner. We go, there's no pans in the place. Or we even go so far as to buy stainless steel stuff or iron stuff or, or enameled iron stuff. And we leave it in the places. And we've never had a complaint from, you know, that they come in and there's new pots and pans in the place. So if we just stopped a whole series of people from getting poisoned, it costs us money, you know, to do that. But it's our place when we're there. It's our place. This is next culture. You're out of place. It's your place. You take care of it. So we take care of this stuff. And we just we just throw stuff away and then complain and go, how come you guys didn't leave us any pots and pans? And you go, well, we did. Oh, look, we look at the cupboard and go, well, look, there's nothing here. Of course, we threw it all away because it was all aluminum toxic shit. So there's a lot of that kind, those kind of actions. You become, you, you gain agency by doing those kinds of actions. Like, <laughs> there's this great interview with a, an old friend of mine named Alan Friedman on the, on the uh, Guy and Road team website. It's the first interview, it's just this guy. He's a friend of mine from 45 years ago. And he, is, he explains how he goes into a grocery store and in an American grocery store, sometimes they give free samples of food. And so he walks up and he, he says, can I look at the ingredients on the food? And he starts reading the ingredients out loud. He says, you're using monosodium glutamate? He goes, is that a Teflon pan that you're cooking in? And he's, he's has this conversation out in front and people start gathering around. 
He's got 15 or 20 people in the grocery store all standing around, and he's having this conversation that is pulling the rug out from under this person trying to sell people shit food. How many ingredients are? do you actually understand what's on this food? Do you know what dicalcium phosphate is? Yeah, it's a side effect from explosives. Do you know what monofluoro? Anyway, he just has these conversations, and it's revolutionary. To just have this guy, it's 15 or 20 people around going, I'm not going to buy this stuff. You know, and it's really, and pretty soon the person says, well, I'm not going to do the job trying to sell this stuff either. So it's really revolutionary work to, like I said, walk into an Airbnb, look at the shit pots and pans, throw them away, demand and complain. Why aren't there pots and pans here? Like this is revolutionary work, but it saves, it wakes people up. And so anyway, that's what the films are about. Hope you watch all of them with friends. I I would just add I don't think it's in the possibility film website, but I would make a distinction. I don't know if they're really shocking, but there's these movies that glorify gangsters or the mafia or uh, even you know on in the saying it's a documentary, but sort of glorifying uh, sex trafficking or or uh, drug, sexual abuse. Drug trafficking. Drug trafficking and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, they make it cool. They make it seem like it's a cool thing. That's what I was talking about, yeah. And and so that's not, I mean, they're, they're, I could see how like, you could have that side of American made, but that's not why we put it on, on the list. The, the Why we put it on the list is because of, the clarity of this whole insanity of the American, the American government saying, uh, you know, South America is poisoning our people by through the drugs and it, and they've, they've been selling it the whole time. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank so you. We, I don't recommend all this glorification because that leaves trace. Maybe it doesn't leave really scars, but it really leaves thoughtware of gremlin glorification. Something like that. Thank you. Thank you. So let me just read number 12 while we're on it. Experiment number 12 is take care of your emotional body by continuously distinguishing the difference between your feelings and your emotions. So we all know that if it's longer than three minutes, it is an emotion. It has nothing to do with the person across from you. Nothing. They're just triggering this emotional contract that you have with yourself to have this story and have this reaction. And your gremlin is feeding off of it. And so use your emotions as a doorway for a healing process. So it's, the experiment is to seek <clears throat> the immediacy of your feelings and clean up the contaminating residue of your emotions. That's the experiment. You just ongoingly automatically do that. You just don't let it slip. You don't let your gremlin feed on being a victim, blaming, resenting, getting revenge, you know, even in your mind. You just don't do that. You just clean up the contaminating residue of your emotions. Your emotional healing process, here's a big one. Your emotional healing processes are none of your partner's business. It's not your partner's business to heal you from your emotions. That is not what relating is for. 
That's for, that's for your team. Your team's job is to help you go through emotional healing process. It has nothing to do with making this a centerpiece, this dramatic centerpiece of your relating. Handle your emotional healing processes maturely yourself with your team. Do not use your partner as a surrogate therapist or psychologist or doctor or healer or nurse or teacher or parent. It is not your partner's job to heal you. It is your partner's job to enjoy your company. So be good company. What does it mean to be good company? It doesn't mean to be their therapist. Doesn't mean to be their analyst, their doctor, you know, their psychologist. That's not what good company is. And there's whole new, I'm, I'm not really going to talk about that much. That's the experiment is find out what it is to be good company and make that a skill set of yours. Become absurdly effective in the skill of being good company. You get that? Like, don't force people to accommodate your neurosis and think that that is being good company. You get this? This is what we've been, you know, become absurdly effective in the skills of being good company. Find out it's not being adaptive, it's not being nice, it isn't being ordinary, it isn't being knowable, it's not being predictable, it's not fitting in. There's a whole skill set to being good company. And unless, you know, there are people who define good company in different ways. Your mom, for example, would define good company by you know, being polite, dressing well, you know, being, remembering people's birthdays, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. It's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about being good company in the definition of the zombie world. That's not what we're talking about or the ordinary world. We're talking about being good company in a world that you would be ecstatic to be in. What does that mean? Find out what it means. You're going to write about it. That's part of the experiment. Write about it. Who's, who are the characters in the books that you've read that you would just love to be in their company? All right. Why would you love to be in their company? Which of the characters in the movies that you love? Are, would you love to be in their company? Okay. How are they doing that? How do they cause this experience of that, that you would, that you, and it's going to be different for every single person in here. And so that's the kind of company that you can be. And if that's not authentically you, it won't be good company. It'll just be this fake show again. So you can find ways, you can, you can become the skill set, gain the skill set of being this really effective beyond just barely making it. I mean, be astonishingly effective in being good company. You know, and then, then you're going to have a problem. And your problem is going to be that more people than you want to, and Chloe, more people than you want to are going to want to be in your company. 
How many people have that fear? It's going to be more people than they would like to, who want to be in their intimate company. Does anybody have this? Okay. So look at that. Look at what you're undermining by having that fear be back in there filtering out stuff. It's like you're so amazing that so many people want to be in your company that you're going to have to say no. You're going to have to choose who you will be in company with instead, you know, to say no to somebody who wants to be in your company. I mean, it's an important question because, you know, there are dogs out there who would like to be in your company. If you were a good provider, you know, a good entertainer, make good food for dogs, there would be your whole house is full of dogs or cats or something like that. Or cockroaches. You know, you make your house a mess and the cockroaches can your house is full of cockroaches. You, well, you you're okay saying no to the cockroaches. Are you okay to say no to cats? Are you okay to say no to dogs? Are you then okay? Then are you okay to say no to, to people? Are you willing to be such an asshole that you can say, no, no, thanks. Thanks for the invitation. I decline. Are you willing? So if you're not, then you need to go to asshole training. So there's a website called Asshole Training. There's not so much on there, but it's an important some set of distinctions on asshole training. How many people here need asshole training? How many of you need to become a more conscious, effective asshole? Good, good. Who's going to deliver asshole training? Nobody, nobody's been doing that. Who can deliver asshole training? Conscious asshole training. Who? Dora's been doing it. Dora, oh yeah, Dora. How's that yeah. going How's it working? I, I haven't held one in a while, but I held some of them. It was great. Like we had so many experiments there and practices. Is it documented? Do you have, can you give us the experiments to put on the website? I, yeah, I can write down experiments. I, I'm not going to share the recordings. No, that's fine. Why not? Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't need the recording. I just need the experiments. So yeah. will you send them yeah. to me? Yeah, a lot Good. of these experiments are role-playing based, so really yeah. cool. Yeah. Great. So, and who will deliver? Who would, you know, you learn best that which you most need to learn. You teach best that which you most need to learn. You teach best that which you most need to learn. Who will deliver a 10-week asshole training online workshop? Who will do that? Not you, Dora. You, you have to do it. You're already doing it. We need more asshole trainers in the world. Yeah, Arena. Excellent. Do you want to do it yourself? Or do you want to partner with that? She's asking for a partner. I want to partner. because I want to partner with somebody because I first need to learn how to be a really good asshole. <laughs> no. Okay, not really. Say that well, again, Chloe. The point is that it's not about you. I mean, you you best teach what you most need to learn. So you're going to learn as you as you teach it. You best teach what. Yeah, you but how can I handle situation that I don't know? Yeah, I. I it's I'm called creating been... necessity. If you 
create a workshop called asshole training, especially for women or whatever. And you, and you say, this is how you can say no. This is how you can become so attractive that more people than you have time for want to be with you. And you can negotiate that in a way that works. You can, you can make boundaries. You can say what you want and what you don't want. It's all this is asshole. You can have preferences that are uncommon. You can have wishes that are impossible, that are unattractive, you know, that are, most people would freak out about. But you have a wish that's being an asshole. And so there's, you don't fit in as being an asshole. Okay, how can you be, what if yourself doesn't fit in anywhere in the world? Are you asshole enough to be, to, to be there? Because Gaia needs you to be that, or you would not have the wish. So how do you do that? Well, you figure it out by doing it. You create the necessity. You say, this is what we're going to learn. And people will ask you questions. And it will be just like, uh, just, it will be like, people will ask you things that you don't know about from before, but if you commit to their answer, it will come through you. It will come through you from your bright principles. It will come through you for your archetypal lineage, etc. It will come through from echo. It will come through from the unknown. These are huge resources. So your commitment is you're holding this space and people will ask real questions and you will answer those questions and you will create the possibility of greater assholeness, conscious assholeness, you make it with a capital A, makes it conscious asshole, serving conscious purposes. And the people, this is, so you're going to, Arena, you already put your hand up. Did somebody want to be Arena's partner with this? Yay. Yes. Because I saw your hand almost going up before. I could feel your hand was almost (laughs) up. So Katrin and Arena, Good. Send it. Put definitely make the flyer. Set the dates. Charge whatever the normal fee is. Yes. Yes. yes! So much. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do it. It's yeah. It's going to have so much fun. And, not, you know, <laughs> yeah. and teach other people how to how to do it. Replace yourself. Train other people how to be asshole trainers. Conscious asshole trainers. We need that in the world. And every now and then you can call up Dora and you can brag that you have more people in your space than he has in his. <laughs> and steal his experiments. Steal his experiments. Okay. It's an amazing experiment. All right. All right. Anything else for the last minute before we end for the evening, for the morning? Yeah. Go ahead. Our- are your trainings for the next year posted yet? Um, if not, when might they be posted by? Calendar dates or estimates and location like Portugal or Poland? Con- consider or Poland mid-August. That would be a start. Thank you. Yeah. And they're, they're not online anymore. Right? Solid date. We don't have solid dates yet. We need confirmation from the place. But that's... Where are we working on? August, mid-August, Poland. Yeah, it's almost almost confirmed. I mean, it, I have a date. <laughs> Yay, Gabriela! <laughs> I am. I'm driving, so I'm. Yeah, I'm here. Speaking yes. from the dark. Yeah, thank you. And I'm thank you. Work. Other dates are on the PM calendar, right? PossibilityManagement.org. Like from we'll other people. Put them up there. No, from us. Mark is asking us about ours. We have no dates right now. No dates, nothing. Correct. We and are free beans. He wants to know where they will be. Yeah. PM.org. 
Okay. So that's where they'll be when, as soon as we have any, and we'll put them up. Thank you for asking. Anything from anybody else? Okay. Uh, I can speak for Anne Chloe that we hug you, we kiss you, we shake you. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for making Thank this you. space possible. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, have a great time. Thank you, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.